But we're in a message series called Four Priorities for Life. Last Sunday, we just kicked off the, the uh, series, and we, talking, we talked about loving God through worship. Not just worship on Sunday mornings, but worshiping God throughout the week. So I trust that you were able to put some of that into practice this last week and practice worshiping God 24-7. Last week, uh, three of my boys and I attended an Assemblies of God Faith and Science Conference from Monday to Wednesday down in Springfield. They had a number of uh, eminent scientists from around the world come in and talk about their work. These were all believers and some of the amazing discoveries that they were making and how it all reflected God's greatness seen in nature. We had an astronomer come in and talk from uh, one that worked in, and uh, with the, what is it, the Hubble telescope, you know, that giant telescope that's up in space. Incredible pictures of distant galaxies. It was just absolutely amazing. And then we had other scientists talking about the very genetic codes in our cells and how intricately they've been designed to work together by the very hand of God. And so as we looked at these things and heard about those things, we were just moved to worship God for what a wonderful, incredible creator God that he is. Now today we're going to talk about loving God by serving others. Now this message is going to show how some of these priorities I'm going to be talking about in this series are interrelated, how they, how they work together. In the future we're going to be talking about the priority of loving God's people. And so today we're going to talk about how we can express our love for God by serving others in God's family. And when we serve somebody else, it's really an expression of our love, is it not? When we serve God, it's an expression of our love for him. When we serve one another, it's an expression of our love for others in the family of God. Now, Jesus told a parable about what was going to happen on Judgment Day in Matthew chapter 25. And we don't have time to look at the whole thing, but we're just going to look at a few of the comments that Jesus made and how it relates to loving God by serving others. Now in this parable, Jesus said that in the last day, on Judgment Day, he's going to sit on his throne, and he's going to divide people into two groups. On the right, he's going to have the sheep. Now these are people, but he calls them sheep. On his left, it's going to be a group of people he calls his goats. Now which group do you think is going to be in his favor? the right-hand ones, the sheep. We want to be sheep, not goats, okay? And so he's going to divide people into the two groups. The sheep will go on to eternal life with Jesus Christ, and the destiny of the goats is eternal punishment. I mean, the Bible really is pretty clear. A lot of things is just, it's either this or it's that. You're either a sheep or a goat, either eternal life or eternal punishment. I don't mean to make light of it, but it's very simple. There's no gray area in the middle, you know, a hybrid half goat, half sheep. You're either a sheep or a goat. Now, how does Jesus say that he'll decide who is a sheep or a goat? Well, to the sheep, Jesus says in Matthew 25, and I have these verses written out in the white sheet in the middle of your bulletin. You might want to pull that out to follow along. You can take some notes there. On the back of some study questions I've written that go along with the sermon. The message, you can look at those in your own study time, or you're encouraged to come to a life group. The one on Sunday nights in Chesterfield will be meeting tonight, and we're going to be going over these questions. Matthew 25, 40, he says to the sheep, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, 
whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. To the gouts, the ones on his left, he'll say in verse 25, he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. In other words, how a person treats believers, which is the least brothers of mine, the brothers of Jesus or other believers, how a person treats believers is how they are treating Jesus. He's going to take that for how they're treating him. And in the parable, Jesus talks about good things that people did for the least of his brothers. Good things that the sheep did for other sheep. Now the goats didn't do these things. And so Jesus says what the sheep did for the least of these brothers of mine, they were actually doing it for me. Even though they couldn't see me. All they could see was other people. And the goats, they didn't do these things. They, they didn't think these people were very important. And so that's how Jesus divides people. And so if someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ, if someone thereby loves Jesus Christ, what will they do? They will show their love for him by serving other people. That will be in their character. That will be in their spiritual DNA. If you're a believer, you're going to love other people in the family of God by serving them. That's what you're going to do. Those who are not true believers, oh, they might say they're Christians, but they're not going to serve other people. They're not going to show their love for other people because deep down, they do not truly love Jesus Christ. And so today we want to learn more about how to love God by serving others. I'd like us to take a few minutes to watch a, a short video called Free to Serve. So God has made us free, free to serve one another. Let's look at the verse that was mentioned at the end of that video, Galatians 5.13. It says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. So let's look at this a little more closely. As believers, Jesus has called us to be free. We're free to serve him. We're not in bondage to sin anymore. We're free to live the life that God created us to live. But we're not to use that freedom to pursue our own self-centered and selfish desires. Rather, we are called to serve one another, to use that freedom to serve others, to demonstrate our love for God by serving one another. Serve one another in love. Now, where is our love for one another to be expressed? You notice this verse is directed towards believers. It says, you, my brothers. It's written to believers in the church family. We are to serve one another in love in the church family. And so that's why it's so incredibly important for each person who is a believer to be plugged in, to be connected to a church family. There's all kinds of commands. This is just one of them. It says uh, that are said to do something for one another. And the only place you can fulfill those commands of Christ is when there's others around you to fulfill the command. 
serve one another in love. You can't serve one another in love if you're not in a relationship with other believers in a church family. Now today we're going to be looking at an episode in the life of Peter. In this passage, Jesus is going to teach Peter some important things about serving God's flock, showing his love for Jesus Christ by serving others. The first thing we're going to learn today is the importance of choosing to follow Jesus' direction. Our passage today is from John chapter 21. A little background to the passage. Jesus has been crucified. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, he rose from the dead. The story that we're going to look at in John chapter 21 is the third time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. Seven of Jesus' disciples, including Peter, are all together. They're kind of hanging out. And um, most of them had been fishermen before they began following Jesus. And I'm sure that even though they'd seen Jesus, they were kind of unsure about what was going to happen. You see, they've been following Jesus, walking with him, talking with him each and every day for three years. And now he died. He was resurrected. He'd appeared once. He just kind of mysteriously appears every once in a while. You don't know when he's going to show up. You don't know how to reach him. It was really different than what it had been for the three years. They hadn't expected this to happen. And now he was talking about going away completely. Their whole world was kind of turned upside down. I'm sure they were really unsure of really what was going on with Jesus and what the future held. Now Jesus was going to teach Peter and these disciples some important lessons for the future. He's going to teach them that going their own way would lead to absolutely nothing. Let's pick up our story in verse 3. I'm going out to fish. Who do you think said that? was Peter. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught, underline the next word, nothing. They caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And we're not sure why Peter wanted to go fishing. The Bible doesn't tell us. But Peter had been a fisherman, had been his occupation in the past. And perhaps he was thinking of going back to it. I mean, he had a family to support. That was how he got cash or he traded the fish or sold the fish or whatever. That's how he made his living. Perhaps he was thinking of going back to fishing. Uh, Jesus kind of dropped in and out. He didn't really know what he was supposed to do. Things were really different now. Maybe he just wanted to pass the day. I don't know. But regardless of why Peter wanted to fish, he and the other disciples fished all night, cast their nets in, right the left, moved the boat around, and caught no fish at all. All through the night, the morning light dawned, and there on the shore they see a man standing. They can't quite recognize who it was. He asked them if they had any fish? And they said, no, it's kind of been a miserable night. We fished and fished and didn't catch anything. Now, when Jesus calls you to follow his direction, as he called Peter and the other disciples, 
you can't go back to your old ways of life. It's going to lead to absolutely nothing of value. Going your own way is going to lead to disappointment. Once God calls you, even if you're not sure of the direction he's going to take in the future, you can't go back to your old way of living. And that's one of the things he's going to teach Peter. But going Jesus' way leads to abundance, leads to the exact opposite. So Jesus tells them in verse 6, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. And so after fishing all night, moving the boat around, casting the nets, I'm sure, on the right and the left, on the front, on the back, every which way, catching nothing, it would have seemed there were no fish to be caught. There were no fish in the entire lake, I'm sure they were thinking by this point. And yet, Jesus told them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. Peter followed Jesus' direction. He cast the net the right side of the boat at that moment in time, and they immediately caught so many fish they couldn't haul the net into the boat. John recognized the man on the shore was Jesus. Now, how did he recognize the man on the shore was Jesus? I was thinking about that. Did he just get his binoculars out and was able to see it really was Jesus? Or somehow in this huge catch of fish, he recognized this was no ordinary guy saying cast the net on the right side. It was Jesus. He was the only one who could have done such a thing. Peter, I was taking the lead, wasn't he? Jumped into the water, swam to shore to meet Jesus. I'm sure that Peter was reminded of early in Jesus' ministry of a similar situation where he'd experienced almost the same thing. He was fishing all night and he'd caught nothing. And Jesus came along, told him to move out to the boat, to deep water in a specific place. They cast the net in and had a huge catch, an enormous catch of fish. And at that time, Jesus told Peter from now on, you won't be catching fish. You're going to be fishing for men. And so Jesus had told Peter what his future held way back. This was a story found in Luke chapter 5. Way back at the beginning of his interaction with his disciples. And Peter may have forgotten. And he was trying to go back to fishing fish. When his Ministry was to be fishing for men. Peter needed to be reminded he needed to go Jesus' way in order to fulfill his purpose and to have an abundance in his own life. Now, just as Peter, you and I are sometimes tempted to go our own way in life. Sometimes we simply don't take time to talk to the Lord. We don't take time to listen to what he has for us to do. Other times, we know what Jesus wants us to do, but we don't want to go that direction. It doesn't make sense to us. It doesn't compute, or we just want to do something else. And so we resist 
God's command or God's direction. And the final result, though, of doing our own thing is we're going to come up empty in the important things in life. But following Jesus' direction always leads to an abundance, doing something of significance. So think about your own life this morning. Are your nets empty or full? If they're empty, have you been listening to Jesus or have you been doing your own thing? Say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I've kind of put you on the back burner. I, I've just been going my own way, trying to make things work out and they're not working out so great. Please forgive me. I want to follow your direction. I want to go your way. I want to listen to you because I know that you are the only one who is the Lord. You are the only one who knows the direction I am to go. And when you follow Jesus' direction, you won't be sorry. The next choice we must make is to choose to give to Jesus. Now we're going to see this morning a very interesting and informative cycle between Peter and Jesus. So Let's just recap the story for a minute. Peter had been fishing all night. He got nothing. Then Peter heard Jesus tell him to cast the net on the right side of the boat. He followed Jesus' direction. It didn't take all day. It happened very quickly. He had an enormous catch of fish. And so even though it was Peter that cast the net, who was it that really filled the net? It was Jesus. And after that, Jesus asked for a portion of our abundance. Jesus asked for a portion of our abundance. Jesus said to them in verse 10, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And so the catch was too big to haul into the boat. It would have sank. And so they just dragged the net ashore. It was full of 153 fish. Now many books have been written. What is the meaning of 153? And you know what the answer is? Nobody knows. There's not a good explanation anywhere. Uh, nobody knows why it's 153, except it was a lot of fish. And that's an exact number. So if somebody comes up with something, everything I've seen, nobody had a clear meaning what the 153 was. Now you would have expected that many fish to tear the net. And yet Jesus had miraculously caused the net to be strong enough to haul in 153 fish, which it normally would not have uh, been able to hold. Jesus was in control. And then Jesus asks Peter and the rest of the disciples, but we'll just focus on Peter now. He asked Peter to bring some of the fish they have caught with his help to him, to give back some of the fish to him. And they obeyed. They recognized Jesus was the Lord. And I believe there's a, a general principle here. Jesus always asks us for a portion of what he gives us to be given directly back to him. Jesus supplied this huge catch of fish, and now he asked, them to give him some of the fish. The rest is not ours to do with as we please either. 
But we must use it as God tells us to do. We must use it according to God's plans. And when we give Jesus back a portion of what he's given to us, Jesus provides for our needs. Verse 13. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. So Jesus gave them bread and fish to eat. Now, what does that remind you of? You're a student of the Gospels. Jesus fed thousands of people by taking a little boy's lunch of bread and fish, distributing it to thousands of people, something that would have only fed one person. It was a miraculous feeding of many, many people. And here again, Jesus provides for the needs of the disciples. He feeds them breakfast. They'd given back to him from his gift to them, and now Jesus was again giving back to them. So you see in this story a cycle of sowing and reaping, don't you? It begins with following Jesus' direction, and you're blessed. And out of that blessing, we give back to him, and Jesus in return meets our needs. That's a general principle of the Christian life. The cycle continues as we choose to give to Jesus. Now, what about us? Everything we have is a gift from God. We need to acknowledge that. Now, some people say, I've worked for it. I've worked hard. I earned that paycheck. Well, who gave you your mind? Who gave you your strength? Who put you in the right place at the right time to get that job? It was Jesus. He is the one who gave, who gives us everything we have. The Bible tells us that every good gift comes down from the Father in heaven. Every good thing that we have in our life comes from God. And Jesus asked for a proportion back, a proportion of what he's given to us. He asked to be given directly back. The Bible teaches proportionate giving. Everybody is not supposed to give a set amount to God. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. It's proportional giving. As God has blessed you, you give back a proportion. So those that God has blessed uh, with a different blessing, with, with uh, more in some area, you give back more. Those with less, you give back less. Whatever your income is, the Bible teaches that you give back. The proportion is 10%, a tithe as a starting point of your giving. 10% of your income. The more your income is, the bigger your gift will be. The smaller it is, the smaller your gift will be. Now, I, and Doug mentioned on the, on the um, announcements about online donations, and that's a, a good way, and more and more people in the church are taking advantage of it, to be regular in your giving. And then when you're not here, uh, you're on vacation, you're sick, your tithe keeps coming into the church. You know, because you're not here doesn't mean the bills of the church stop. And so when we're neither does, just like when you go on vacation, does your mortgage stop? No, nope, nothing stops, you see? And so you can be regular in your giving. That's one way uh, with these online donations. And when you're faithful in your giving, Jesus promises to supply your needs. What you sow, you will reap in life. When you give your gift to Jesus, he'll use that gift to serve other people as well. And so choose to be faithful in giving to Jesus. And finally, choose to love Jesus. Now we're going to talk about this in a little more detail here. 
Let's remember some of Peter's history with Jesus. When Jesus was arrested, before he was crucified, Peter promised to follow him to the end. He promised to even lay down his life for Jesus Christ. Matthew 26, 33, Peter said, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Looking at the rest of the disciples, oh, if they fall away, I am the one who's going to remain true. I will never fall away. I'll be with you, Jesus, to the very end. A little bit of what is showing through here. A little bit of pride, isn't it? And what did Jesus say? Jesus prophesied, Peter, before the cock crows tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And so it happened. The night of Jesus' trial around a fire. Just as they're going to be around a fire here, cooking breakfast. When others questioned him, Peter denied knowing Jesus once, twice, three times, and the rooster crowed. But Jesus was going to give Peter a second chance. Jesus was going to give Peter a, a fresh start to show his love for Jesus. And so Jesus gave Peter an opportunity to express his love for Jesus with his words. Let's look at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Referring to the other disciples. Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And so Jesus begins his questions of Peter by saying, Peter, do you truly love me more than these? You see, Peter in his pride had promised never to fall away. He hadn't shown his love more than the other disciples. He had fallen, denied Christ, left Jesus just as all the rest had. Peter responded, you know I love you. And so Jesus asked him again, do you truly love me? And Peter replied again, yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. And finally, Jesus asked Peter the third time, just as Peter had denied Jesus three times. Peter now had the opportunity to affirm his love for Christ three times. He was restoring Peter, giving him the opportunity to confess Jesus as his Lord rather than denying him as he had done in the past. And Peter would remember this exchange for the rest of his life. Now, we've left out some of what Jesus said in these verses. After each affirmation of Peter's love for Jesus, Jesus gave Peter a command. And these commands were how Peter was going to express his love for Jesus in the future. He was to love Jesus by serving his church. And so the words that we've left out in Verse 15 and 16 and 17, after Peter affirms his love with words, you know I love you, Jesus. Jesus said in the first case, verse 15, feed my lambs. In verse 16, after Peter expresses his love for Jesus, Jesus says, take care of my sheep. And in verse 17, after Peter's final 
telling Jesus that he loved him. He says, feed my sheep. Now, Jesus' sheep are his followers. Those who are believers. Jesus mentions both lambs and sheep. Those new to the faith and those who are more mature. Peter is to show his love for Jesus by feeding or shepherding Jesus' sheep. He was given Peter direction to serve Jesus' church after Jesus was gone. Now, what's a shepherd's role with respect to the sheep? He's to lead them to green grass and quiet waters. He's to protect them from predators. He's to serve the sheep. And so Peter is to show his love for Jesus Christ by serving others in the church. Now, let's think about ourselves this morning. Maybe some of you have, have failed Jesus in the past. In one way or another, each of us has failed Jesus. You may have denied him in front of others. You may have been too shy to talk about him when somebody asked about your beliefs or who Jesus really was. Perhaps you've turned your back on him and you've fallen into sin or you've done something you knew was wrong. Or perhaps you've simply been doing what you want and not following his direction. Whatever the case may be, this morning Jesus is asking you the same question that he asked Peter. He's asking, do you truly love me? Do you truly love me? If you truly love me, I'm going to give you a second chance. God is a God of second chances and third and fourth chances. And so if you answer that question of Jesus, do you truly love me with a yes, then Jesus says to you, serve my church. Serve my sheep in my church. You see, that command is not just for Peter. It's for each and every one of us. The church is the flock of Jesus, and those who love Jesus will love Jesus' church. How can you make serving others in Jesus' church? Or how can you serve others in Jesus' church? Well, one of the ways is, first of all, make church a priority in your life. To be there with the people of God when we gather together for Sunday worship. Come to growth class to learn more about Jesus. Be part of a life group where you can interact with a smaller group of people and give and take questions and answers. Your very presence encourages others in the group. Your very presence helps the group or the church to grow. If your job schedule is causing issues, as happens from time to time, begin to pray and ask God to change things. You know, God is big enough to change a work schedule. We've seen him do it in the past. God is big enough to give you a new job with a better schedule. Do you believe that? Nobody here believes it. Okay, I do. Doug, do you believe that? Yeah, Doug, you asked Doug about changing a work schedule so he can be at church. Your very presence encourages others when you're here. Secondly, get involved in serving in church. With all kinds of opportunities, you know, it just this building doesn't just take care of itself. People help with the building. People help with serving one another in the building. We have opportunities in ushering, in children's ministry, Church cleaning, there's people who come in during the week and clean the church. Opportunities and work days, we just had one. I'm sure we'll have others in the, we will have others in the future. We have special projects. We have people running multimedia every Sunday and many other areas, too numerous to mention. But everyone should be involved in some way in serving others in the church. So on the back of your Connect card, there's a box to check if you want to help out. If you have an idea where you want to help out, Write down that idea and we'll get in contact with you. If you don't know, just say, help out anywhere and we'll 
try to find, will work with you to find a place for you to serve so that you can show your love for Jesus by serving others in the church family. And so the most important priority in life is loving God. And so in this lesson, we're learning that Jesus taught Peter. He's teaching us today, if we love him, we're going to take care of others in the family of God. And as we do, as we follow Jesus' direction, we're going to find abundance in our life. Our nets are going to be full. As we give proportionally and regularly to Jesus through the church, God is going to make sure that all of our needs are met. And as we show our love for Jesus by serving others in the church family, we're going to see God work more and more in our own lives and through us for his glory. This morning, if you're not sure you're a believer, this morning, if you're not sure you're part of the family of God, I want to pray a simple prayer so that you can be sure. The Bible says God wants you to be sure that you have eternal life. God wants you to be sure that you're part of his forever family. And when you make a commitment to him, according to the Bible, God can put that assurance in your heart through his Holy Spirit. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. If you'd like to commit your life for the first time to Jesus Christ or recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray something like this with me. Father, today I admit that I've been going my own way. I've been living life, doing my own thing, and not following your direction. And in many ways, my nets are empty. But I believe that Jesus died to forgive me of my own sins, to forgive me of going my own way. I believe that Jesus died to make the way for me to follow his direction in my life and to forgive my sins. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you and your ways all of my days. I look forward to you filling my nets with abundance. In Jesus' name, I pray. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this teaching of Jesus on loving him by serving his church. Forgive us for trying to, to go our own way and not following your direction. We commit ourselves, God, to giving to you through your church, and we trust you then to meet our needs in life. God, we pray that those who struggle, who are struggling with their finances, God, would see a breakthrough as they put you first in that area of their life. We pray that we would show our love for you by making our church family a priority in our lives. God, may each person here be regular worshipers on Sunday mornings. And may they be learners in our Sunday morning growth class and participants in life groups, God. We pray that you'd make a way for us to grow in our relationship with you and our relationships with each other. May each person find a place to serve in the church family so that we can touch more and more people for Jesus Christ. We look forward to increased blessing in our lives and in our church family as our love for Jesus goes stronger each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.